Ready? <laughs> yeah. Hey everyone, <laughs> welcome back to the Playing Dirty Podcast with Katie and Megan. Hello. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode seven. Um, before we start, just a quick reminder, follow us on socials, uh, like and subscribe all of our episodes and follow us on Spotify and Apple Music for the most recent updates when we release an episode. Generally, we have been releasing during the middle of the week. Um, sometimes things get shuffled around, but uh, please show your support in any way that you can and uh, let's get into it. So this week, the NBA draft happened. Um, so we have new talent coming to the NBA, and Katie and I are going to go over um, mostly the top five, um, top five picks that we saw go, um, as well as some more basketball updates, college and professional. Um, and then we'll move into the baseball world, which is um, really this summer what everyone's gonna have to care about so <laughs> college and professional too on that end um looking at the men's college world series and then uh what's happening in the in major league baseball right now and then we'll look at some of the nba trades that have come up um kind of amidst the draft and then talk about what's coming up in the next few weeks yeah and i i know we mentioned last week that we're kind of going to get into more MLB news because the beginning of the season is always really boring. Teams are all over the place and games don't really matter. But as we move into July, August, September, prior to playoffs, I think it's starting to get a little bit more exciting. So we'll definitely dive in there. Uh, but let's start off here with the big piece of news this week, which is, as Megan said, the NBA draft. Uh, I don't think that the top picks were really a surprise in the first round. No. But, yeah, but curious what you think, Megan. I mean, at least the first one, Victor, was probably expected. Absolutely. I mean, he's giant, first of all. Yeah. Um, but also just really, really talented. So... Um, Victor Wembe. Oh, I'm not gonna do it right. Uh, I choked. Wem Wem Wembayama. Yeah, that's it. But I it's get nervous when I say it. He's French. Wembayama. So. Okay. Right. There you go. I think. Okay. So, <laughs> so this year, Victor Wembayama went first to San Antonio. Um, he is seven foot five. Um, and we knew all, like, obviously all knew this was coming the second that the um, Spurs got the first draft pick. Yeah. They've been talking about it for months now. Mm -hmm. um, so absolutely no shock there. But um, to see Victor and his siblings getting interviewed and crying together, it's like, you know, he knew it was coming. I mean, I'm sure he knew it was coming. Um, it's just cute to see him react still very emotionally and yeah. go to the NBA. So I know he's so big. People kind of talk about injury and he's 
obviously with the height, he's not um, physically as big as some, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, no, he's not, yeah, he's not LeBron James. Um, He's so like injury, a little more injury prone, stuff like that. So um, I don't know. I'm really excited to see him play. He is such a smiley guy. I feel like anytime there's an interview, he's just like super happy. Um, And he's been in the news a lot outside of the NBA draft. Like, I don't know if you saw this video, but he threw the first pitch at the Yankees game. Yeah, I did. And the poor guy, it was horrendous. It was absolutely horrendous. It was like wide left, probably like three feet. Um, (laughs) Obviously he was made for basketball. I mean, he is seven five, so baseball's not a sport. but to your point, like, I, I think it was not a surprise that the Spurs grabbed him up. Um, they have not been good. Last season, they were 22-60, and 60, I think. Um, Yikes. Uh, yeah, it's bad. But maybe this can be the start of, like, a new era. Like, take it back to the Tim Duncan days or, you know, something like that. But So he was the first pick. Again, not a surprise. Second pick was uh, Brandon Miller from Alabama. He went to the Hornets. And I know, Megan, we talked last week about the Hornets and, you know, Michael Jordan selling. What do you think of them picking up Brandon and, like, how that's going to fall? A lot of these players I've never really watched before. Um, Obviously, you can't watch every collegiate basketball game there is on TV. So um, you kind of like stick to your conference or whatnot. But uh, he got rated lower as a pick kind of generally overall for the grade reports on the draft. So Mm -hmm. he was like a B or a B minus, something like that. And they say, so he's six foot eight. He's a forward and he's really good at making shots but doesn't have a ton of finesse on defense. Mm -hmm. So it's a good pick, but some of the other picks, obviously um, Victor, number one, got a great rating. Um, Number three, um, Scoot Henderson got a better rating, but I think that the Hornets just looked to Brandon as a better fit for their organization than scoot you know interesting yeah because i i think there was a lot of controversy around brandon going before scoot and i think i I read something that people were it's not scoot's fault but people are like oh my god like scoot totally flopped like he should have gone second or you know whatever uh are there big differences like going first you know like you go in the first round like what is the difference between second or third when you're trying to fit into a team right it's a very specific culture and a very specific city and personalities like does it really matter i think to your point the only reason it matters is the specific franchise that you're getting drafted to like the number i don't think really matters it's who actually has the pick so like to this point, Brandon was advantaged because it seems like him and the Hornets kind of had a relationship and he was a better fit than Scoot. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I think if you're in the top five, realistically, 
it's just who the team is, not necessarily the number. Hmm. Yeah, so third, um, the Blazers picked up Scoot Henderson, like we said. Um, Scoot is a guard and just like a big hustler. He's not super tall for mm -hmm. basketball. He's six foot two, um, but just generally super athletic, um, kind of can do everything, um, really scrappy player. Nice. Yeah. I, uh... I'm curious what the repercussions of the Blazers uh, using their number three pick is going to be in terms of their veteran players, i.e. Damian Lillard, because mm -hmm. the past couple of weeks have kind of brought to light that Dame wasn't necessarily happy that, and we touched on this last week, that, you know, the Blazers haven't really like brought in a lot of talent. Instead, they choose to pull rookies and... Um, build from the bottom up and he's been there a long time so I don't know maybe at this point if he's looking he wants to win he's been in the league long enough to win a championship uh maybe he would look for a trade mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not really sure they you know it seems like the Blazers are pretty stuck on their strategy to build from below but I don't know we'll see I think there's been a lot of movement in the NBA, and we'll get to that a little bit later, but I think we'll probably see how that plays out pretty soon. Yeah. So fourth and fifth in the draft were Amen and Asar Thompson, who are twin brothers. Um, they both came out of overtime elite, but they went to number four was the Houston Rockets, and number five was the Detroit Pistons. Um, so cute that's I know. <laughs> cute's a but it was i mean it's cool to see twin brothers go in the draft um they're the first brothers to ever be selected top five in the same draft but they've played together for i i mean i'm assume most of their lives yeah um so now they're mortal enemies <laughs> i i saw a funny interview with them and they were trying to figure out, like you said, they've played together their entire lives. They've lived together, whatever. They were trying to figure out how to split up their stuff. <laughs> and they were fighting over like the PS5, like who's gonna get the PS5, who's gonna get whatever they they got going, whatever gadgets they have in there. Uh, this is gonna be the first time they're really living far, like separately, far away because all of their high school and recruiting journey was together, which is insane. Imagine kind of competing against your twin sibling, but also rooting for them. Like you're both trying. I wonder if they have know. sibling rivalry. Between them two? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. I think it'd be difficult to always be playing with your twin sibling. Like what if one, obviously they're pretty equal, but what if one was exponentially better? And then, I don't know. I feel like that'd be a tough dynamic. I wonder how, I, I wonder what the physical and like skill level differences are between them. Like who's better at what, you know, who's a better shooter, who's a better defender. And then why the Rockets picked one and why the Pistons picked the other. So a man- You don't want to equate them. Right, exactly. You can't, they're very unique players, but realistically, I mean, they were drafted four and five. So they do have some sort of like skill 
compatibility. Um, I guess they've been saying that a man is extremely athletic, like a very functional player, um, super creative, shifty on the court. He He's the one that went to the Rockets. Um, I haven't heard as much about Asar, but I'd imagine they're pretty similar in stature. So the positions that they play are probably not that far off. But um, we'll see. I mean, now they're playing against each other or they have the potential to. So I think that's really cool that they, they got to celebrate together too. Mm-hmm. Crazy day for their family, probably. Oh my God, imagine that. I mean, they, they worked so hard their whole life. The parents are probably like, wow, it, was all, it all paid off. All this training, the overtime elite stuff, moving. Do you know like the background of Overtime Elite? Can you explain kind of the history of that team? So I love Overtime personally, the brand. It's kind of a a new age basketball brand. Is it like a media brand? Is it? It's, a, it's yes, it's media, it's retail. It's apparently now like some sort of like athletic league. Overtime Elite is a professional basketball league that is for 16 to 20 year olds. And it was founded by Overtime, the company, which I'm sure plenty of our listeners have seen on Instagram and Twitter. They're super active in like promoting young players. And it's out of Atlanta, Georgia. So it sounded like maybe they were getting paid. They must have not have gone to college then. The twins are the first um, players to be drafted out of Overtime Elite. So that's cool. Oh. But they, it sounds like they are completing high school in conjunction with competing professionally. And Overtime Elite is marketed as this league that gives players potentially disadvantaged youth, like another path to get to the NBA if college is not something that they want to pursue or is in That's really cool. So I think, I think the, the story behind it, I guess, is something admirable and it's recently new. It's, it's five years old. So that's really cool. Um, it's cool that they can kind of represent overtime elite as hopefully it develops for more players, but that was, that was cool to see. Um, so on our side of things, UCLA had a bunch of players get drafted this year, which yeah. is kind of crazy. Um, just from like the, the Arizona side of it, um, UCLA was like our biggest basketball rival in the past season. Uh, well, I perhaps made that up in my head, but um, <laughs> uh, fighting for, you know, like Pac-12 player of the year, um, Pac-12 coach of the year, stuff like that. So right. UCLA had Jaime Hawkes go, Amari Bailey, Jalen Clark, um, and then a number of other guys signed contracts after the fact. I know Tiger uh, yeah. signed a contract. Yeah. Um, U of A, Azulis Tabellis was the only player that I really saw um, who signed a contract after the draft. Um, I didn't expect that many UCLA players to get drafted, and it might just be an age thing where there's big age differences on the team. So some of the 
if the UCLA team was much older and they had more players go yeah. when Juve was younger. Um, I'm not really sure. But um, Jaime Jaquez got drafted in the first round, which was kind of surprising. Yeah, it was a little out of pocket for me. Um, <laughs> to the Heat. 12, to the Heat, Pac-12 Player of the Year. Yeah. Um, he went 18th overall in the first round, but isn't a, a – he's a phenomenal basketball player. He is not a well-rounded athlete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So some of the articles that I've read talk about him – really adding on short-term potential for a team coming in doing pretty well off the bat. He's an amazing scorer. Yeah. Um, he's smart on the court, but long-term, unless he kind of gets like his butt kicked into shape, um, he's not your like stereotypical athlete, like the top five were, you know? Totally. No, I completely agree. Um, him going to the Heat, I think, fits his personality. I can kind of see him fitting in with guys like Tyler Hero. And, I yeah. can, you know, like, I, I can kind of see, like, I can see Jimmy kind of embracing him. Um, so He's very, like, cool. Yes, totally. So I think I understand why the Heat and him might be a culture fit. But to your point, uh... I don't think people were expecting him to go as high as he did. Uh, so, I don't know. Good for him. That's awesome. More um, appropriate, I guess, for expectations. Amari Bailey went um, 41st. By, he went to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, and Jalen Clark was 53rd overall to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Those are both in the second round. Um, David Singleton signed as a free agent to the Atlanta Hawks and Tiger Campbell signed as a free agent to the Orlando magic Mm -hmm. Um, on the Arizona side for Arizona fans. Azulis Tabellis signed with the Philadelphia 76ers and that's it for Arizona. That actually brings up a really good point. Um, Interestingly enough, this year's draft only had 58 picks in total instead of the traditional 60 picks. And that is because the 76ers and the Bulls both forfeited second round picks uh, for tampering violations. So hopefully that puts that Arizona Tampering player- how? I'm assuming it had something to do with maybe some suspicious contract or payment work, but... So this article is from Forbes Sports Mm -hmm. Money. It's from last year. And last year, there were only 58 picks because the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat had their second round picks taken away due to Mm -hmm. tampering. Tampering in an NBA context refers to the act of a team's representative speaking to players on rival teams to attempt to lure them to join their team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it sounds normal. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to point out, go Bruins, that in total since 1947, UCLA has had 125 draft selections, and 43 of those are first-round picks. So that's pretty good. I mean, those numbers sound good to me. 
Do you think UCLA is a basketball school or a football school? You mean what it's known for in entirety of athletics or just now? Uh, you have to take into account history. Yeah. Then I say basketball. John Wooden carries way too much weight, I think. And Fair football, enough. realistically, football's only been good for like five years at a time. You know? In his, you know, so. But that's a good question. Okay, if UCLA didn't have football and basketball, and I'll throw in baseball in there because UCLA baseball historically is fantastic as well. Yeah, yeah. If you didn't have the three top sports at UCLA, what sport would the school be known for? And there's one correct answer in my head for this. Really? One correct answer? Because I feel like they're good in so many like adjacent sports. Gymnastics, I think. Yeah, no, that's yeah. a great one. <laughs> yeah, gymnastics. Hey, Women's sure. gymnastics at UCLA is the most incredible thing I've ever witnessed in my life. But what about softball? Like they've been really good. <sighs> you could make an argument for softball. You could make an argument for men's water polo. Mm -hmm. Beach volleyball. Uh, USC takes, uh, no, you're right. You're right. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, they're so good in so many sports. But beach volleyball has only been a sport for the past, what, five years, four yeah. years? Yeah. Um, and it just like USC and UCLA trade off who wins the national championship. So true. Definitely though. Gymnastics, undoubtedly. U of A would softball would be softball. Really? Yeah, Jenny Finch comes from you. Oh, uh, yeah. And Let me I actually, fact check that right now. I actually, duh. I mean, I literally knew this. I had a family friend growing up, Jesse Harper, who holds like a home run record at University of Arizona for softball. Yeah, Jenny Finch played for the Wildcats from 1999 to 2002, where they won the 2001 Women's College World Series. Yeah, you're, you're totally right about that. So last point here on the NBA draft. I love drafts. I love the NFL draft. I love the NBA draft, mostly because these men and women come out with the most outrageous and fabulous outfits that you have ever seen. And this NBA draft was no exception to that. <laughs> All right, I'm going to look at the pictures. Okay. So I can give you my honest opinion on people's outfits. First, we're going to start with the most... I think probably like shining star of the NBA draft. Quite literally shining. I mean, you look at him and your eyes were like, oh my God, he's a ruby. <laughs> he's a ruby in the rough. The red, the red <laughs> slipper come to life. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, we're talking about... Grady Dick. Grady Dick. <laughs> Yeah. Came out. Let me show you. Let me show everyone on the screen okay. if you're watching. Yep. So yep, blurry. Audio listeners, it is a ruby red suit and not just color. It is absolutely rhinestoned. Dazzling with the thickest shoulder pads. You. Po it looks like he's wearing a football 
jersey, <laughs> like football pads, like yeah. pra- a practice football pads. So not the real ones right. underneath a bedazzled red suit and to cap it all off matching turtleneck underneath no yes what are what are the pants just black slacks black slacks okay and a red cap obviously because they put the cap on for the team that they're playing for but the red cap and the red suit are not the same red Mm -hmm. so for context grady dick got drafted to the toronto raptors and he has just been having the best time. He's just living it up. So he's got the outfit, right? He's, I think he had sunglasses on at one point. Like he's strutting around, talking to Adam Silver. Like he's just, you know, he's in it. So he does a little interview at the draft after he got picked by the Raptors. And one of the, Biggest points he made is how excited he is to be sharing a city with Champagne Poppy. Drake? Drake, (laughs) the man himself. And uh, I think that's hilarious. And that's awesome. Because this kid's literally younger than us. And I'm sure... Imagine, like, if I was getting drafted to Toronto, I'd think the same thing. Like, oh my god, Drake. He's gonna come watch us practice. He's gonna come to our games. You don't think of any other artists that's come from Toronto? Like Justin Bieber? Like half of pop stars come from Toronto. Sean <laughs> Mendez, Justin Bieber. No, that's so true. Um, I guess after he got drafted, Drake actually followed him on Instagram and he was like so goofy about it. It's so <laughs> funny though. He's... I'd be pretty goofy too. <laughs> oh, I totally would. That's awesome. If you got drafted, who would you freak out about following you on social media? It's hard to say because I would geek out about athletes that were already in the NBA. So probably like I'm less about celebrities and more about like the sports that we watch. Probably like any basketball legend that actually cared that I was in the NBA. <laughs> like who from the, who's played on the rack? Kawhi Leonard? I don't know. Like, I don't know. What about you? A lot of people, I guess. Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah. Does she watch basketball? Taylor Swift is a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. Mm-hmm. I don't know about basketball, though. I've never seen her at a basketball game. Well, I think it also depends what sport I got drafted for. That's true. But another shining star of this NBA draft was the number three pick, Scoot. Scoot! Yeah, Scoot, Scoot! I think he takes the cake for best outfit. I wasn't a big fan of Grady Dick's outfit at all by any means, but Mm -hmm. Scoot's, I think, was really good. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think his outfit was still classy and somewhat professional, but blinged like had his little touch of like personality on it he owned it like he was so swag just like walking down the hallway you know you could tell he was really embracing it I loved it I thought it was really nice Grady's was like 
your dad's suit that was too big for you. Mm -hmm. And Scoots was like tailored to perfection. He had the matching grill, the matching custom chains. Like mm -hmm. it was very over the top, but like showed off his personality, but like in a more sleek way. Yes. Yes. It was fitted and they did an interview actually on his outfit and the jewels and the embroidered like bling on his suit actually represented his siblings birthstones and and like his family like his parents like Aww. there's some like outlines and like things special and personal to him and the, on the chains too and that just brings it all together i think you know it gives meaning to the outfit and he he had this like braid pattern in his hair that you could tell someone probably spent a lot of time doing and it was just really put together. Like, I think, I think you're right. I think he does take the cake. If you were going to the draft, what would you pick to wear? I'm torn between keeping it chic and like kind of sexy, but professional versus like really putting my like layout and doing something like kind of like greedy did. So I probably lean more conservative generally in terms of colors, but something mm. that shows off my shape, something that has some bling to it, but not too much. What about you? I feel like I'd have to go like full sequin. <laughs> really? But not, not colored sequins. Yeah. And it can't look like, like a wedding dress. No. So you have to stay away from like white cream. But then you're also like, do you go for like a pantsuit, a designer pantsuit? Right, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Hmm. But if you're doing a dress, it cannot be long, in my opinion. Why? I don't know. I feel like that's too formal. For the draft? I mean, these guys are, I mean, they're wearing suits, but... They're kind of ridiculous sometimes. Let me oh. look up the WNBA draft. That's a yeah. better. That definitely is a better representation. We have jumpsuit, business dress, pantsuit, 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 long black gown. Mm. Like a more, it's more businessy. Yeah. I feel like the guys probably just want to go like super flashy. Because really, this is like one of the few opportunities that they get to. But like for women, I feel like it's more accepted to be colorful and sparkly. And so maybe it's, you know, not as big of a deal to be super flashy. But I would, okay, but you know what I would do? And maybe this is a bit tasteless. I would definitely wear a lot of jewelry. Like I would wear a nice. Why is necklace. that tasteless? I don't know. I I I don't want to be too flashy. Like I I'm not a big fan of like. Oh my god! Look how much money I'm wearing on my body. Yeah. But I definitely think the jewelry would probably be like the accent, the big accent pieces of the outfit. Hmm. Understandable. So you know, this year there were a lot of well-known and sought-after kids for the draft but what does next year look like you know they always try and predict the next year's draft when this year's draft is happening and so 
Last year, they predicted the top five, top 10 pretty well. Um, looking to 2024, there are no big standouts. Um, mm -hmm. Really that people are saying, you know, Victor, they were like, yeah, Victor's gonna be first. They've done that for a really long time. People have followed him for a while. Um, the graduating seniors out of high school and coming freshmen um, aren't super strong. Mm -hmm. um, and on the flip side, there's current players across collegiate basketball and then across, you know, some of the, uh, the G League Ignite and the Australian NBL aren't as definitive in an order. It's not to say that they aren't as good at basketball. It's just there isn't standouts where they can say this person's going to go first, this person's right. going to go second. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an even board which I think is way more exciting if you're following it um, over the next year to see how it kind of pans out and then who kind of comes out of the woodwork. Um, yeah. And some of the across the collegiate leagues and other professional leagues on who's going to get drafted first. I don't even know who's really going to be good in college basketball. Like I, I mean, and there's always like the natural leaders, but generally like I haven't heard about huge like standout teams. Me yeah. either. There has been some news about West Virginia. I know last week we um, talked about this and, and there's been some new news. New news. So Bob Huggins has resigned from West Virginia after being charged with a DUI. Um, players from West Virginia have begun entering the transfer portal once again. So they have 30 days from when Huggins resigned to find a new school without having to apply for a waiver or eligibility. Mm -hmm. um, so they aren't sitting out the season. A lot of players who have um, a lot of eligibility years left are looking to leave. So um, there's talk of Trey Mitchell, Joe Toussaint. And then for all of the Arizona fans that are listening, um, Kirk Carissa has entered the transfer portal once again. So really interested to see where he ends up. Um, Arizona fans aren't his biggest fan. Um, yeah. He has a great relationship with Arizona's old coach, Sean Miller. Um, so possibility that he'll go to Sean Miller. That was in talks a while ago. But I think teams are really trying to jump on these players as they come out of West Virginia. So mm -hmm. even in college, you're seeing shuffles all across the board. Totally. Um, so there has been obviously a ton of movement. The draft has, the NBA draft has definitely, I think, shaken up a lot with these teams, as it always does. I mean, you bring in new talent. Uh, teams need to look how to develop their franchise in one way or the other. And in the midst of all of that, there have been independent trades within the NBA that have been pretty substantial and big players are, are moving around. Yeah. So we'll start off. Chris Paul was traded to the Warriors via the Wizards. So the Suns traded Chris Paul to the Wizards. The Wizards then traded Chris Paul um, to the Warriors in exchange for Jordan Poole. Mm. So... I mean, big personalities back on the Warriors. Um, I don't 
know how Chris Paul will fit to the Warriors. I think he'll be a good, um, mature yeah. personality to kind of feed Steph Curry. Um, yeah. I don't know what's happening with Draymond Green. Um, <laughs> he's always kind of a wild card. Um, Jordan, Jordan Poole is out of Michigan. Uh-huh. And he, his time with the Warriors was actually pretty successful. He's a great shooter. He has no fear on the court. I think he's really taken after someone like Steph Curry. There was like an incident between him and Draymond. I don't know if anyone remembers that where at practice, they kind of got a little bit of a tussle and Draymond personally is not one of my favorite players. I think he's a big mouth. I think he's aggressive and a little bit rough. Um, but you told me that Jordan Poole unfollowed Draymond. Yep, Jordan Poole got traded and immediately unfollowed. Um, this is all according to social media, so um, it could change in a second. But Jordan Poole's unfollowed Draymond Green on Instagram. That's so funny. They just had beef, probably, and he's like, bye. See ya. Uh, yeah. Another big one was Marcus Smart, who the Celtics made a great run this season in the NBA. And Marcus Smart was injured, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was injured for the last couple games. But he's gone. He's off to Memphis. Um, I know we talked about a lot of it has to do with salary caps and um, who teams can afford. And when people's contracts are up, the teams don't want to lose free agents and trades without getting something out of it. So they'll start trading people um, to, you know, exploit their name and their talent. But mm -hmm. um, the last one is Porzingis has been traded to the Celtics. <laughs> Yeah, Porzingis is a big man. So another big man for the Celtics. Uh, he, it's said to be that Marcus Smart was traded and that did open up some cap space for Porzingis. Uh, I'm not sure how he's going to fit in on the Celtics, but we'll see. I mean, he's a really solid player. So. All right. Changing gears just a little bit. Um, baseball is taking the world by storm at the moment. So the College World Series is in its final stages. So the last three game series versus Florida versus LSU, um, someone needs to do an entire history on why LSU is so good at sports. Yeah. Um, but Joe Burrow was there watching LSU play, um, which I thought was hilarious. But the game yesterday was Today is Sunday. Yeah. Um, yesterday, LSU won four to three in eleven innings. Mm -hmm. um, it was like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Homers, just like an insane amount of strikeouts. The pitching was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, just two really great teams um, to tune into and watch. Yeah, this is gonna be a really cool series. So. Basically how the college world series works is it's best of three. And so now that LSU has taken one, I mean, they really realistically only need one more. Um, I'm hoping it goes to three because I kind of want to see it run up as uh, you know, watch it play out. 
But yes, yesterday's game, like Megan said, the pitching, I guess, was one of the highlights. Ty Floyd for LSU uh, really had a standout performance on the mound. And it sounds like it was pretty neck-to-neck. So excited to watch game two and game three. So game two will be June 25th. So by the time that this episode is out, we will likely know the decision of that game. And then game three, if LSU loses the second game, will be June 26th. So kind of a lot of action going on there, pretty quick turnaround. But it sounds like people are having so much fun watching and supporting their teams. There's been something going on with like jello shots. Yeah, so one of the big social media stories to follow along with the Men's College World Series is following this bar called Rocco's Pizza and Cantina, and it's across the street from the stadium in Omaha. And last year, to like kind of drum up hype, the owners of this bar started doing um, drinks that were for each team. So eight teams make it to Omaha itself. Um, There's more teams, but they play regionally at like the number one seed for the bracket. Um, Only eight teams actually go to Omaha to play. So each team gets a colored drink and it started becoming jello shots. And so um, LSU's jello shots are purple. Um, Florida's jello shots are green, not blue. Um, They didn't have blue dye, but (laughs) they have automated jello shot makers so they can just crank out jello shots like really fast. And the, the deal is when you buy a jello shot, it's $5 and for each jello shot that you take, you get to add a number to the tally for your team to kind of drum up hype and like get everyone really excited. So a man walked into this bar and his name was Todd Graves. And if you don't know who Todd Graves is, it's the CEO of Raising Cane's Chicken. And he is a big LSU fan. And so he was wearing an LSU hat and he went to the owner and he said, I wanna buy $30,000 worth of jello shots. It's us. It's like 6,000 drinks. Um, what? Obviously, they did not serve 6,000 drinks to people. No. They gave a round of jello shots to everyone in the bar who wanted one. And then LSU won. This was back when they were playing Wake Forest. LSU won. And anyone who went to the bar after that got free jello shots. Yeah. Um, $30,000 may sound absolutely ridiculous to you. But $1 from each of the $5 shots is donated to a um, local food bank. Mm -hmm. So $30,000 were donated to a food bank in Louisiana somewhere. Right, right. And another 50 cents went to the uh, Heartland Food Bank in Omaha. So Mm -hmm. the reasoning behind it was the Raising Cane's guy obviously wanted to win the shot contest. Um, he wanted to drum up support. He loves LSU, but he dropped that ridiculous amount of money because most of it is going to charity. Um, right. Obviously helps supporting the bar too. But um, LSU completely shattered the record for obviously um, however many shots um, were on the board. So yeah. people like call the bar and they ask for updates, see who's winning. 
Um, no one has come to rival LSU this season, but. That is awesome. That is so, that makes me just want to travel to Omaha, Nebraska to watch the World Series. Just so like, I want to go so before. badly. I know. One of these years. I read that as of like two days ago, the L the amount of jello shots that LSU has, like fans have like purchased is 21,400. Last jello night shots. on TV, the crowd was just purple and gold. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I bet it makes me want to be an LSU fan because obviously they're just sport sporting history and like especially recent sporting history is just yeah. unstoppable. Um, but they just they travel well. They are really hype. It's really fun to see. So that reminds me of something that I mentioned to you as if, like very quickly. But Shaq went to LSU, right? And it kind of just reminded me this this past weekend there was a grand opening of one branch of Shaq's restaurant called Big Chicken. So it's a fried chicken restaurant. They have like sandwiches and you know like kind of like a raising cane sort of deal. Um, and Shaq has opened a number of these like franchises in different states. Like I'm pretty sure California has one. Um, yada yada yada. So I had told Megan, all right, I'm going to go, you know, like it's new in Houston. Let's see, like, let's try it. I brought my camera so that I could show the playing dirty squad. Like, oh my God, Trip. I get there. I pull into the parking lot. The line for Shaq's chicken restaurant was wrapped around the entire business complex. And I was like, there was music playing and there was like booth set up. So clearly I did not plan well. It was also <laughs> 105 degrees outside. I'm like, sorry guys, I'm not waiting. Like I will come back when this cools off, maybe like a few weeks. But I was bummed. Like I'm sure Shaq is going to show up at one point to this new restaurant. Um, it's just too hot to wait outside. And I'm like, whatever, but stay tuned. We should do an entire episode on athletes, like other ventures that have nothing to do with sports. That is a genius idea. Like okay. a lot of the, a lot of them are rappers. So I want to <laughs> dig into that. Jimmy has his coffee restaurant or coffee company, whatever. Yeah, we'll we'll do. Lewis we'll do. Hamilton opened up a vegan burger joint, and I almost went to New York City, but we ran out of time. So, I mean, just like super random things, the alcohol brands. Yes whatever totally. it may be clothing lines i'm wearing danny daniel ricardo's clothing line right now what is it what are the the letters fea what does that mean fuck them all really yeah what <laughs> wow he made it when he got um released out of formula one. Oh, that makes sense it's meant to motivate you and make you confident in yourself enough to go and do whatever the hell you want to do. That's a good message. It was and on his helmet in 2018 and he just kind of kept it. And then when he left formula one, he made it into one of his clothing lines that come out just like streetwear drops until it sells mm. out. Um, And That's just cool. was like, it's like, whatever, whatever happens is going to happen, you know? And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about you. Oh, I love that. That's cool. 
Uh, and also a great idea for an episode, so stay tuned, everyone. Um, okay, we have some MLB professional baseball updates. We're going to zoom through here. Um, and once the season kind of develops a little bit more, I think we'll talk more about, like, standings and, you know, AL versus NL. Um, but the past few days has actually been really eventful in terms of uh, – like outstanding games. One of those being the Angels at the Rockies. So um, Los Angeles Angels at the Colorado Rockies at Coors Field, which by the way, I was just there a couple weeks ago and they have a whole, you can buy a ticket for like 10 bucks. The Rockies are not good. <laughs> they have a whole like upper concourse. Um, they call it like, something bullet silver bullet bar mm -hmm. and you can go up there and it's like walking standing room where you can like watch the game you can buy beer you can it's like open seating it's super cool uh would recommend if you guys ever go to Coors Field but the Angels absolutely routed the Rockies <laughs> <laughs> the Rockies posted this um Spongebob meme where he's like looking at the sheet and he like reads it and then he like throws it to the fire and he's like that never happened. <laughs> that is so, so yeah. final score is 25 to one. <laughs> it was like 13 to zero in like the third inning. I think in the first four innings, there were 20 runs scored and the whole game was like a franchise record for the angels. I think it was like 25 runs in a single game and 28 hits in a single game. And those are like both franchise records. I feel bad for the Rockies. That's, that's embarrassing. That's a tough one. <laughs> and funnily enough, um, Mike Moustakas, who has been on the Rockies for like a decent amount of time now, he got traded in the <laughs> middle of the series. <laughs> What's he going to just walk over to the other side to put a jersey on? Yeah, now he's now he's with the Angels, which is so funny. It kills me. Just the irony of that. He's probably like, please. We're <laughs> okay, so I guess. Yeah, but he has to walk across the field. Meanwhile, his entire family has to like pick up and move to another city. To Los Angeles from Denver. Like, talk about cost of living adjustment. <laughs> um and then Another really cool series to watch was the uh, the Reds play. The Cincinnati Reds are so. Back when I worked for UCLA baseball, one of the guys on our team, Matt McLean, um, got drafted to the Cincinnati Reds. So um, just because I've known him since uh, working with the team and, and since college, I've been following them for a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Matt got traded up a, a little bit ago, um, and has been absolutely crushing it as a shortstop for the nice. Reds. Nice. Um, really exciting to see him do so well. Um, he's actually up for the all-star game as a shortstop. Yeah. So UCLA baseball has been posting about voting him up. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I really saw it coming, but, um, really, really happy for him. Yeah, but not 
a couple months later, um, his old teammate from the minor leagues, Ellie De La Cruz, who's only 21, um, also got brought up to the Reds mm-hmm. and hit for the cycle. Yeah. Like on the Thursday only Friday. the only other 21 year old to hit for the cycle in like MLB history is Mike Trout. Really? Mm-hmm. There's in obviously history? other people. 21 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fair, fair. There's obviously other people to hit for the cycle, but, um, when you start getting into the nitpicky, like who's hit for the cycle in their rookie year, who's hit for the cycle and like their debut year, it's like maybe three people. Wow. Um, he is the fastest base runner you've ever seen in your life. Mm -hmm. And he just, is like such a crazy athlete to watch. Yeah. Um, it was fun to watch the highlights there and how excited everyone got. I guess this is the first time that the Reds have had a hit for cycle since like the late 80s, uh, which is awesome. And fun fact that I recently found out, the Cincinnati Reds are the oldest all professional team in baseball. So they were originally the Cincinnati Red Stockings um, and eventually turned into the Atlanta Braves. So, well, how did the Cincinnati Reds come to be then? Because then wouldn't the Braves be the oldest team? Technically, yes. The The city of Cincinnati housed the oldest MLB team. Yes, that were originally called the Cincinnati Red Stockings and then that became the Braves and that, that eventually went to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was awesome to watch kind of a rookie make an impact. Um, another cut, this is more of like a, on a personal note, but being here in Houston, obviously the Astros rule the city, the cheaters rule the city, and the Astros are away at Dodger Stadium the past couple days. Uh, I believe they play again today, but the last two games, the Dodgers have won at home against the Astros. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, so I'm happy about that one. That's just a little little tidbit there. Um, on my side of it, the Arizona Diamondbacks are... Um, second overall in the National League, but first in the West, which mm-hmm. crazy. Whoa, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> um, the National League is currently um, being led by the Atlanta Braves, and the American League is being led by the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays also are having an amazing season. Um, yeah. But really exciting for me and the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I hope they're. I hope they're on the come up. Because I keep wanting to go to a game, but like, yeah. okay, a, a bunch of the games are during the week, which you can't drive two hours to another city during the week. But for the games that are home and then, then the games that are away for the rest of the regular season, it's like you have like two opportunities to go. So I think I'm going to miss this entire MLB season. Um, yeah, that's a bummer. The... Diamondbacks, I don't know when they changed their logo, but they did. I remember growing up and like their old logo was like the D with the rattlesnake. Do you remember oh, that? Oh yeah. And that's been different. different for a while. Oh, it has. Okay, maybe I just haven't been paying attention. 
Um, There's different colors too. It used to be like purple and something. Yeah. And now it's like red and black. Yeah. Red, yeah. black, and like a like Blue. a sand color. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm I like seeing exciting things in the MLB kind of this early in the season. I know we're getting kind of in the middle of the season, but um October will be here in about five minutes. So right. buckle up. Yeah. Yeah. Hang in with us. One of the coolest things happening in the MLB right now is that um, it was paused because of COVID, but the MLB is going global again. We've seen it with the NFL. We've seen it with um, some of the other leagues. But right now, today, the Cubs and the Cardinals are playing in London. Yeah. Um, so I guess there's like a bunch of like random Cubs and Cardinals fans in London because they've played there before. Um, oh. but yeah, they have a, I mean, a full house, at one of the stadiums out there. Um, the McLaren drivers for formula one were out doing batting practice, um, for media. So kind of just like this big overlap of big sports franchises um, and cool to see them go play in other countries. That is so cool. No, that like kind of gives me the chills. I like it because Baseball is like America's sport, but it doesn't have to be. Right. One of my um, really good friends from playing volleyball, um, her family is their diehard Cubs fans, and she is in London right now at the game. Wow. Did she go for the game? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Wow. That's a cool experience. So we're kind of wrapping up here this episode seven hopefully y'all enjoyed it thank you audio listeners thank you video listeners we appreciate the support as always um really excited for this one to get out and uh again follow us on socials um let us know what you like and what you don't like and just stay in touch thank you bye bye